Amen. You may be seated. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been looking at Psalm 23, which is a known passage of Scripture to many of us in the Old Testament. But how well do we know it? Does it guide us in our everyday lives? Well, we've been looking at the first five verses last week, and I want to close looking at the sixth verse. Will you say this out loud with me? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So it's David writing about him being a shepherd to us, that God will shepherd us, he will care for us, that he is in the journey with us. And as he's concluding this poem, he ends with looking forward, looking in hope that all that he knows that God will do for him and for us. Again, the first part of this goes like this, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Again, he looks forward. And we need to know that looking forward that God is there, that we can have our hope in him. Because you just don't know what life is going to throw at you, do you? Yesterday, I was at my son's basketball tournament, and someone showed me that Dwayne Haskins died. Former Buckeye, plays for the Steelers now, and was crossing the road and got hit by a truck. And I'm thinking to myself, I know Dwayne woke up that day not thinking that would happen. Many of us have those moments in our life that we didn't know this was coming. And so over the next days and weeks and months and years of our lives, David says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. I can look ahead and no matter what I go through, I know his goodness and mercy will be present. Now that phrase, follow me, a better Hebrew rendering of that phrase is to run after or pursue. A couple years ago, we lived on a really busy road and I was outside playing with my two boys who were four and two at the time and I looked at my four-year-old Hudson just for a second, took my eyes off of Micah, and Micah started to dart towards the road. Now, I know I look like a fit athlete right now, but I haven't always been like that. I was uh, cut from the basketball team. I had to stop playing baseball when I was a sophomore because I wasn't any good, never got to play football. I was not, and I'm still not a good athlete. But in that moment, when I saw my son running towards the road, I became an Olympic sprinter. Nobody in the history of this world, though I don't have it on film, has sprinted faster than I did in those five seconds. And I grabbed him mere moments from him going to the road. You see, that's what God is talking about here, what he does for us. That maybe we squirm out of God's grasp or we feel like we are just heading towards destruction and it's the Lord who runs after us. It's the Lord who pursues us that we can't outrun God's goodness and his mercy. And so he says, surely goodness will follow me all my days. He's talking about our happiness and our well-being. Now, if you're like me, you don't wake up every day feeling happy. Oftentimes, our well-being is compromised because of what David says earlier, the, the shadow, the valley, the feeling that it doesn't always feel that God is good. So how do we know that he is good? Because that's who God is. Even when life doesn't feel like it's good, he is always good. That he pursues us with his goodness. Even when we're in the depths of the valley, it says that he is with us. His goodness is present. 
And it's because of his goodness that he does something in the valley that can't happen in any other circumstance in our life. I think of Romans 8.28, one of my favorite passages of scripture that says, And we know that God causes everything to work out for the good of those who love God and are are called according to his purposes for him. What they're saying is, even in the bad, it can turn out good. Even when the valley, the light can shine. Todd and I, we met up with a friend this week. And this friend has this undiagnosed illness that he just needs answers for. And he's just waiting to see what's going to happen. And so he came in and we got to pray with him. And man, there was a lot of tears. There's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of struggle because it's one thing if you know it, you can plan, but in the unknown, it's really difficult. And he's just crying out about what he's going through. But what was so present in the midst of his trial that he was going through, he shared about how close he is with Jesus. He said, I've never been closer to God. I tell everybody about him now. The doctors, the nurses, my coworkers. And it's something that happens in the pain that though we wish it would go away, we can still see God's goodness that we draw nearer to God in those times. It's a revelation of his goodness. It's who he is. C.S. Lewis says this, the Lord whispers to us in the pleasures of life, but he shouts to us in our pain. I oftentimes hear God's voice way clearer in the dark than I do in the light. And he promises to shine his goodness in the pain. And then he says, mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. God, or David, he's thinking about his relationship with God and he's thinking about how he fails all the time. How he needs God to pursue him with his mercy because he doesn't always uphold his end of the bargain. And he said, it's his mercy that pursues me. It's his covenantal love, which means we have a relationship. He upholds his part. I don't always do that, but he always does. Always. If I had to look at Christianity like I would a test at school, I would come out with an F. If it was based on my performance, based on what I do, I would get an F. But I have a God who pursues me, who always loves, who is always gracious, who is always kind, who is always merciful because it's about him and what he's done, not what I can do. His mercy pursues us. It's unending. You can't out-sin God's grace. Charles Spurgeon, he puts it this way, God's mercy is so great that you may sooner drain the sea of its water or deprive the sun of its light than diminish the great mercy of God. It pursues us. It follows us. It runs after us. That's what I love so much about baptism. You see that in the tank. You see people who have a past. You see people who have guilt and shame and they're carrying these things into the tank, but they leave them behind. Why? Because they have a God who is merciful that, that led them right there. It's beautiful to see it. And then David, he ends Psalm 23, verse six with this, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I know that whatever happens throughout a day, whatever people think of me or say about me or whatever circumstances I'm facing, I know When I walk through the garage and I open the door into my house, I have five people who love me for me. Just being in their presence alone 
is healing. Because I don't have to try hard. I don't have to perform. I don't have to do something. They just love me for me. And that's exactly what David is talking about. David says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The house of the Lord is symbolic for his presence. That whether it's here or just even at our homes or in the car or at work, wherever we're at, we can be in the presence of God. And David delights in that. That's his heart cry to be there. Because when he's there, he doesn't have to try hard. He doesn't have to prove himself. He is accepted and loved for who he is. It's in the presence of God where he can worship with abandonment, not caring what anybody else thinks, because it's in that presence he feels safe and whole. It's in the presence of God that even though he goes through the shadow, the dark valley, he knows that in the presence of God, he will be with him forever. Forever. In this world and in the world to come, he shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, and so can we. I was moved by what Olivia said this morning. It's with Jesus that she feels whole and accepted because everyone else rejects her. That's what it means to be in the presence of the Lord forever in this world and the world to come. You don't have to try hard. You don't have to try to perform or do the right thing. No, no, no. God, God loves to pursue you. You can dwell in his presence. It's in his presence that you can feel whole and accepted. Some of you need to understand that you are not who other people think you are or what you think they say about you. You are loved and accepted and his child because of Jesus. His presence follows you. And then we can worship with abandonment. I get so tired of being in church and I care more about what other people think. No, 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 no. I'm worshiping our Savior. He is present. How can I not just let myself go? It doesn't matter what other people think. He is with me. And we can dwell with him and, and give our praise back to him. No matter who's looking. And no matter what we go through, it's his presence that will get me through. If I know that I can dwell with him, no matter what I'm going through, I will be okay. And that's what baptism is a declaration of. I will dwell with him forever. It's a symbol, a proclamation of that. And so for the people to come who will be baptized, we will see that. And if you are here today and you're thinking to yourself, okay, I want to take that step. We have people, we have elders and staff and other people waiting for you in the back. We have shorts, t-shirts, hair dryers, whatever you need, we have it. Today is the day. Share your story and let's get you in and let's get you baptized. Let me pray for us. Lord, I just thank you for who you are. And I just pray, Lord, that if anyone here just feels that tug on their heart, like this is the day. The tank is open because the presence of God is everywhere. He welcomes us. He pursues us, Lord. Help us just to relax in that. Thank you for the promise of your word that no matter what valley we go through, you are with us. Why? Because it's your goodness and mercy that follows us. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Stand with us.